hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. This is The Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, January 28, 2022, and it's The Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from the tundra of Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. So that, that wasn't like that wasn't bluster. That oh, was man. shivering. <laughs> um, from Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster. Welcome back, Jamie Ivy. Hey guys, we missed you. And sitting in this week for uh, Derek Miner, who is away on vacation with his family in a very exotic locale, and we're very happy for him and jealous. Uh, sitting in our very own senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey man, howdy. Howdy. It's a balmy 59 degrees here in Orlando. Guys, How's it up there it, in the old Virginia, Virginia Beach area? I don't know Jesse? if you guys, I don't know if it's been making national news or not, but uh, has not. we've had quite, we've, we've had quite a snowstorm blow through my Local region. Local weather forecast in Virginia Beach has not made I'm just saying, around news. here, it's all anyone's talking about. So in my mind, this is, you know, I haven't watched any of the White House press conferences. I saw things were getting a little feisty. I assumed they were talking about the weather here. Right. Um, because everyone here, that's all everyone's concerned about. Snow came. And we had a, we, we like, we did like a snow day, like just like an old school snow day where all neighbors come out and we all, you know, find a way to go down to a hill and go sledding all day. Then we played a big neighborhood snow football game. It was very great. Very fun. Adults, their judgment declines so rapidly at the first, like, you know, a flake of snow that comes down. Yeah. Not just with driving. I think that's pretty well established that, you know, adults in parts of the country that don't get snow have irrational confidence when it comes to their ability to navigate unplowed roads, even though they've never attempted it in, in their life before. But if you see an adult on a sled hill, for some reason, someone there is going to want to try to go down the hill on a sled standing up. Like, I observed family after family come through the sledding hill this Saturday, and at least one... Yeah, it, it, one like hotshot dad was like, "All right, my turn." And and these are and these are makeshift sleds. I mean, in my part of the country, we're using boogie boards and pool floats. Okay. Oh my gosh. And 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 kids are making jumps and flying through the air, and no one no one knows what they're doing. No one knows the risk involved here. But I saw no lie, at least seven dads possibly dislocate shoulders and just walk it off. Just straight up walked it off out of humiliation uh, by trying to stand up on a boogie board down an icy hill. It's it's wild times out here. I think it's just a lot of pent up, uh, you know, post-pandemic or, or sort of mid Who knows where we are in the pandemic. But either way, there's a lot of pent up, just every, it turned everyone into evil Knievel with an old boogie board. And I was there for it. I'm going to, if it, it's, it's did supposed, you? To, we're supposed to get I, I did. I did. Okay. Did you I did dislocate not fall, anything? 
I I I actually I had people on the hill cheering, not because cheering, of how of graceful. Course. I knew that's how this story <laughs> no, was going to go. No, it, no, it wasn't because it, I wasn't was, even going to bring it up with my a slow clap, term. and then the crowd just gradually just started. <laughs> no, or no, was here's it just what happened. Like I was trying to be low key. I was trying to be low key because some of the other dads I was with tried it standing up and biffed it hard, and I was like, ah, how hard could it be? So anyway, <laughs> I get on it and I'm going down, and I get the speed wobbles almost out of the gate. Okay, you guys have seen it where. The the bottom of the board starts shaking under you. Sure. So I jump off and I start running, you know, but it's that comical run where your upper body's moving <laughs> like about 10% faster than your lower body and you're right. trying to get it to catch up. And then I just like, well, this isn't working. So I went and I went and I tried to set the brakes by just like jamming both feet into the ground. I went into a full like two feet. It was like I was skiing without skis on at that point. <laughs> it was it was very ungraceful, but I did not fall. But it was so awkward and lasted that fall alone lasted like 10 seconds. And and that's why people were clapping because they just wanted to see someone embarrass themselves. Jesse, so, do you remember last February when Austin, like, well, the state of Texas shut down because yeah. we lost yeah. all of our electricity mm-hmm. uh, and we had all this snow and it was the craziest thing ever. My husband did what I would possibly consider one of the dumbest things he's ever done in his entire life. Oh, wow. And you know what? He didn't put himself at risk. He put our children, the people who we're responsible for, at risk. He was driving his Jeep around our neighborhood. And we live in the country, lots of hills, lots of hills, right? Great for working out and also great for pulling a kayak on the ice around the neighborhood. I was in the house so mad. I was like, you are about to cause a very big accident with our children. So you know what? People lose their minds. They stop thinking. I had it. I came out at one point and my kids were there was a a, a guy uh, and who I know a neighbor. He had a four wheel like a like a ATV and he's driving and there's my kids on the with a rope and a boogie board going down an icy street like a street with concrete underneath it. And the guy on the ATV had a bigger grin than the kids did. Like they were like, there's something about the snow that when you don't get it, it just brings out this, yeah. just this wild, wild at heart, John Ed Eldridge streak in, in otherwise sensible grown men. A lot of times, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's, it's fun to, it's fun to watch. Especially when I think when snow sort of a novelty, you know, yeah. When, yeah, when, when, it, when it's not, when it's not part of your day to day, then you got You really got to milk it for all it's worth. Cause you don't, you only get one of those, like a big snowfall, a sledable snowfall. What in Austin, what every once every eve, every presidential term or so century. I don't know. No, like yeah, that was rare. crazy. Well, that's one of the perks yeah. of climate change. You're going to get more of them. <laughs> it'll be, yeah, this isn't the last time your kids are going to get a chance to be pulled around by a jeep on the on a kayak. It'll be it'll happen again, and they're going to get better at it. That's a, that's another plus. They're going to get like more. They're going to learn how to do cool tricks. No, and then everyone's sending me stories like, you know how awful this is. Someone could get hurt, and I'm like, I know. I'm screaming that from my house. What are you actually thinking? This is the worst decision uh, you've ever made. Cool. And thankfully, everyone came back alive. Sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> Um, you know what else we can be thankful for is our guest today. <laughs> I was trying to do, just try to, I was trying my best segue. We're in thankful that. for uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda joins us. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, you know, that's crazy. crazy. Oh, might have heard of, might have heard of him. I don't know. T- Tyler, <laughs> Tyler did, yeah. was this? Did you interview? I did. Uh, yeah, this is my interview. 
And I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I want to give us a little behind the scenes because I feel like if there was like a modern, like there, if there was a Mount Rushmore the last five years, I feel like he would be on there. He's I really feel like famous. Chris Evans would be on there for you. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I feel like there's a couple open slots, but what was it like talking to someone that you've wanted to, to talk to? Well, the uh, first question, a and a few people ask this is, uh, is when you talk to, is when you, when you've talked to Lin-Manuel Miranda, what do you call, is his name Lin? Is his name Lin-Manuel? Is he Mr. Miranda? And they, they don't give you notes on that, that you, you fly in totally blind. So I watched other interviews and it's it's inconclusive. People kind of go with their oh. gut on it. It's Lynn, it's Lynn Manuel. So I kind of did the like, the halfway thing, like, hey, Lynn Manuel. And, like, <laughs> and, and just kind of hope that, and, you know, cover both bases, basically. And, up, uh, and didn't get corrected on it either way. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, that's coming up later. We also have uh, relevant news coming up. And at the end of the show, I don't know if you heard last Friday's episode. Episode, but one of you guys sent in some feedback and just was like in passing casually just said well you know and i had a, i've had a few ufo encounters and then da 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 and answered the question of the week and we we're like whoa 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 we have some follow-up <laughs> questions well guess yeah. what she's joining us on the, at yes. the end of the show because yes. we have some follow-up questions for that listener who has casually had some ufo encounters so it's a little coast to coast AM status Jesse. here, you yeah, know, yeah. late get, night get talk ready. radio, <laughs> exactly. you know, let's hear it. There's just, you know, someone, you know, somewhere in time, just trucking down one of America's highways, calling us in about cool UFO stuff. I love it. I love it. I've always wanted to do a podcast like this. Love it. That's happening. All right. Well, stay tuned up next. Emily joins us for Relevant News. You're listening to Hatchy. The song is Quicksand. Well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, it's 2022 and it's okay now to talk about our mental health and embrace therapy. Therapy can help you no matter your, you know, if you're stressed out, facing relationship problems, or just feel stuck. There's so many things therapy can help with. And BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you. And right now, Relevant Podcast listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash relevant. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash relevant for 10% off your first month. Okay, it's time for Relevant Please welcome to the show Relevance Associate Editor downtown, Emily Brown. Uh, I think we should do a where in the world is Carmen San Diego type of bid uh-huh. for this year with Emily. Uh, she's leaving to live in Paris for a month and a couple of weeks and ha- is homeless, essentially. She's just couch yes. surfing. So where are you joining us from today, Emily? So I'm still in Fort Worth. Um, I'm back okay. at my brother's house. I went away for the weekend to another friend's, but 
Got I'm it. back. So I'm currently in my four-year-old nephew's room. I'm actually mm-hmm. using his train table to set up all sure. of my laptop and <laughs> sure. podcast uh, stuff. Like a true professional. So yeah. like a little uh, playmobile, like plastic great. train. Uh, like, I mean, there's like literally a train. Oh, I see a train. Oh, yeah, you've I got a train it. car. Yeah. Okay. There was sure. a season when we were moving from our Winter Park office to our downtown Orlando office and the construction, the build out of the downtown office was running behind, but we had to get out of the office. And so we had a month where we had no office. And this is before, this is years ago, this is before remote was really what people were doing. You know, you'd think we would just like, let's just work remote, no big deal. No, we just, we worked together. So everybody showed up at my house every day, okay? And my little son, who was like two or three at the time, had a little playroom. And that's where we recorded this podcast is we set up our full podcast studio stuff. Our producer was sitting on a, like a bouncy ball. I was sitting like, I know what you're doing. It's a, it's a, you're, are you sitting on the floor right now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you have all the toys around. This is, you can't do this for a long time. Well, I'm leaned up against the bed. So that sort of helps. Yeah. I've done this, you know, I've just been doing this for like a month now. So it's nice. How how are you liking the instability? Do you feel all right? Like, are you resting? Um, well, I'm sleeping in my four-year-old nephew's bed. So is he in it? (laughs) No, he's sleeping. (laughs) He wants to share the bed with me, but he loves to like sleep right up next to you. And I cannot do that. Nobody can do that. Yeah. Um, so okay. he's doing that to his parents because that's what they signed up for. I did not sign up for that. Um, <laughs> By giving birth to him. That's what they signed yes, up for. Exactly, yeah, okay, yes. Um, I signed up for just coming to be the fun aunt to hang out. Uh, no, it's been fun. It's been interesting. Uh, I am naturally a homebody. So it's a little, I'm having fun having to like find ways to spend time and like get alone. I'm naturally an introvert. So I just go to coffee shops a lot when I need to get away from people. Got so, it. Well, this has it's been fun. a good get to know you segment. All right. What's going on this yeah. week uh, <laughs> in the intersection of faith and culture? Yes. Um, so something that we, uh, that we've been talking about on the site and that we want to talk about today. Uh, there's a lot of new prayer apps that are out there, which are really great. They're just places. They're so hot people. right now. Prayer so is so hot. hot right the hottest now. thing in, yeah. in digital technology. <laughs> pray. Yes. Yeah. Bring it back. Pray. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, there's a lot of apps out there that generally are really great for people to connect and share prayer requests or just connect with people spiritually, which is awesome. Um, but with all sides of technology, there is good and bad. Um, and so the kind of the bad side of these apps are, uh, Buzzfeed put out a new report that shares, um, a lot of these apps are selling like users information to advertisers um, for consumer stuff, which, you know, we know this happens. This is not, unfortunately, this is not illegal. It happens all the time. That's why when you go to Instagram, like earlier in the day, you had a conversation about some shoes that you really want and you happen to see an ad later, you know, I don't know how that works, but that's what essentially is happening. (laughs) But it's a little different when you're talking to a friend about a pair of shoes and versus when you're, you know, sharing prayer requests for, you know, really intimate things like addiction or just things that you're struggling with. And then you see, you know, like an advertisement about it later. That is just Nicorette. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so well, yeah, yeah. like we said, it's not illegal, but it is definitely ethically questionable yeah. uh, and something that I think we should all be aware of and be having that conversation of, you know, what are regulations we should put in or, you know, just different things like that. 
I find it, I, I have been like, I think this is part of a bigger question. Personally, this is, this is me, my speculation here, a bigger question about how transparent companies should be about okay. what they're, about what they're actually getting from you when you visit these websites, especially when right. it comes to like, you know, if you're going to a prayer website and you're sharing very intimate personal right. details of your life, you do have a right to know, I think, for them to be very, very open about this is what's go- not going anywhere. This is what we do take from you. And uh, and uh, if you don't know that, and most of us just, you know, click yes. We, we don't think about these yeah. things. You know, we're not, we've just, we scroll through to the bottom of yes, allow cookies, whatever it is. And I think that's fine. You know, it's not on us, but I do think this highlights sort of a unique case as more and more of our lives are digitized. That means more and more of our lives are potentially monetized. And I would like to see some more transparency, maybe even some more regulation around what sort of around what is and isn't allowed, you know? I mean, somebody's paying for everything, right? It costs money to create media, to put on servers, deploy it. Somebody's paying for it. If you're using a free service, you, you are paying with your data. So then they can monetize it in other ways or you pay and have complete privacy. That's it. There's two options. Somebody's paying. And if it ain't you, your, your, your information is being sold. I mean, that's just the reality of oh, business, for sure. right? Uh, the, the, the other interesting wrinkle about this is, you know, I know obviously our listenership is pretty diverse in their sort of, um, you know, kind of theological backgrounds, but you know, I know I can speak for everyone, but I grew up in a uh, evangelical leaning culture that was kind of hostile to uh, like traditional liturgical practices that, you know, especially things in like Catholicism. Like we were always kind of, oh, praying the rosary is so weird. Like you don't need rosary beads. Like that's, you know, that's, that's an I, without even really understanding you know, what the rosary, you know, what its function is in as, as a spiritual practice. And it's like, well, isn't, isn't, how is this, how are apps that direct you to pray certain things or, you know, give you daily prayer exercises, how is it any different than a rosary necklace where mm-hmm. each bead represents a different prayer and it teaches you to pray? Haven't, isn't that just, isn't this a much more complicated digital version of a liturgical practice that another, uh, you know, denomination has been doing for a long time and there's no monetization in it? Like, you you know what I mean? Like the, the irony, I feel like can't be well, totally. You had to lost. buy the rosary beads. <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah, had to pay I, for I, the rosary beads. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure the rosary bead factory is pretty upset about these apps right now, <laughs> cutting into the margins. But um, <laughs> big rosary bead has, if they have to say, we'll get transparency. But, but you, I mean, does anyone else kind of find that somewhat ironic? Yeah. Yes. And I also think of it like, like if we took out that you were asking for prayer and we took out that it was faith and it was just a website where you could come in and kind of list your problems or something you needed help with, but there was no God involved and no faith involved. I'm thinking this is a great business opportunity because we get to find what everyone is needing and we get to meet that need with ads or whatever else. And so I think that's where it gets like kind of feels a little uncomfortable for us because there's faith involved. You took all that out. This is awesome. Like, am I off or right? It makes it's awesome as a business practice. Like, if you're a, That's what I if mean, you're as a venture a capitalist, practice. then yeah. it's very awesome. Right. And if yeah. you're praying about it, it's definitely very awesome. I, I totally see why there's an opportunity here. And you have very well-known venture capitalists, people like like J.D. Vance is getting involved in, in this and Rupert Murdoch is getting involved in this because there definitely is potentially, again, potentially a lot of money here. And I, I'm, I've got, I used to be a little more say la vie about this stuff. And I have 
as more and more of our lives have gotten online, I have gotten a little more. Well, it seems like there should be some more transparency required from these entities. But they they did. They they have stated here's all the data that could be collected on you as if you want to use our site. I mean, so but, but they're not hiding that. But, but but to play devil's advocate there, you know, I think modern like I feel like we've legislated the uh, you know all these privacy and cookie policies to the point where what the user actually gets is completely worthless to them almost like you know I can sit there and read you know uh the terms of use for you know my iPad you know my Apple Music account and go through a hundred pages and or I can go to some website that's based in the in you know the EU that requires me to approve all these cookie settings that I don't really understand like all I'm saying is like. I feel like all of those were reactionary to either uh, prevent their business from being subject to liabilities. Like, oh, you basically opted into everything when you decided mm-hmm. to download the app. Or, mm-hmm. hey, just check these boxes for cookies. And we're not even really explain what all this does. Just you just click the box and you can read the article. And it's like, maybe, maybe we just need to rethink how the communication of how data is used could be simplified so it's more usable not that they aren't they, they, it's not that they aren't you know technically transparent with it but they're they've released so much uh you know potential of what they could do with this data that it's almost you know made it you know not useful to the end user it's like legal you know? jargon yeah it's it's kind of like deliberately worded sort of bit i'm looking at one uh I'm looking at one here that says that gives a, you sign up you sign the rights for this place. It's called News IQ, which is what a lot of them use to collect the system. The preferences, and opinions, and emotions of users. You know that's a very broad. Tyler, I told you I was adding there. that to our site. Like <laughs> you said, it was fine. I wanted to know our users' emotions so we could sell it. <laughs> Why Gosh. wouldn't you? And I can usually we had a you meeting know. about this. Why are you putting this on blast? <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer. I would be down in this case with paying for an app that connected me with a community that I felt safe sharing, you know, certain things, you know, if that's something, I think that would be for me at least preferable to something like this, where I don't necessarily know where, where the prayer requests that I put in there are going to be going to. Now, if I was, if I had to pick between paying for a service and having that data collected, that'd be my preference. Yeah. I think all pray, prayer website i'm not going to use specific brands or whatever i would agree with you (laughs) all right well there's a lot more going on a lot more going on uh this week Uh, make sure to follow relevant on all the socials and make relevantmagazine.com part of your daily web browsing thanks emily thanks guys stay tuned up next lynn manuel lynn manuel lynn lynn mr miranda i don't know lynn manuel miranda joins us i know that you go away because you always do why won't you go away? You're listening to May May and the colorist. The song is Blemish. Well, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at The Lumo Project. Lumo is a stunning visual Bible project that will help you see the gospel in a compelling new light. If you've ever wondered if the gospels talk about stuff like we face today, like addiction, money, depression, doubt, yeah, 
They're all in there. With Lumo, you can experience Jesus' teachings and story in a completely new way. It's beautiful. I'm just telling you, it's cinematic, it's compelling, it's incredible, and it is just pure scripture. It's awesome. Check out Lumo's free scripture videos by searching the Lumo Project at YouTube. And for other free resources, including small group studies and more, check out LumoProject.com. That's L-U-M-O Project.com. Well, our guest today is Lynn manuel Miranda. He's the musical genius behind Hamilton, Into the Heights, and Encanto. You know the Disney soundtrack you can't get enough of. He's also directed Netflix's Tick, Tick, Boom, which featured Andrew Garfield. Well, we sat down with Lynn manuel Miranda and spoke about his work and what it's like being one of the busiest men in Hollywood. Here is our conversation with Lynn manuel Miranda. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. That I've spent the last eight years of my life writing. He's getting out. You're going to be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. And rewriting. Can I hear it? Any day now. Eight years. And the time keeps ticking. So I was very excited to, obviously, to get to talk to somebody as well-known and as beloved as Lin-Manuel Miranda. Obviously, I'm a huge fan, and uh, and this is not the sort of interview that comes along for anybody every day. And before I saw Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, I really thought that the conversation that we would have would be about, you know, the challenges of going from directing theater and writing music to handling something like a film. But after I saw it, uh, I realized that he had really taken to that very easily and, and navigated that very well. It didn't seem to be very difficult for him. And I was much more interested in the similar themes between Tick, Tick, Boom and Hamilton and the the creative struggle, which seems to be central to so much of his work so far and, and what that's been like for him and, and how much that's resonated with so many artists who see the things that he's putting on stage and on screen and feel that tension very deeply in them, which he obviously is, is pretty much, I, I would say, obsessed with. So I wanted to see if he felt that same way. And he very much did. And here's what he had to say about it. Yeah, I think the hardest and most important thing we can do as artists is connect to the original impulse that got us doing this in the first place. And um, I'm not a great multitasker, but I found myself having to multitask a great amount because the pandemic sort of squished all my projects into the same time frame. And something that I found that was really helpful, well, first of all, it was very easy to connect to that original impulse working on Tick, Tick, Boom every day because Jonathan Larson is the artist that made me want to write musicals in the first place. I don't think it's an accident that Alexander Hamilton, or my Alexander Hamilton and Jonathan Larson share that same DNA of writing like you're running out of time. Um, that's his direct effect on my work and the things that seep into my work. But but also as I was, you know, 
editing Tick Tick Boom by day and then writing songs for Encanto by night, um, I, I couldn't help but feel grateful to get to my piano because here is someone who worked so hard without the world noticing at all what he was creating. And I feel so grateful that, you know, most of us don't get to do the thing we love for a living. We carve out time to do it so that we can feel more alive, but we don't get paid for it. And the world doesn't notice that we're doing it. And I feel so lucky that I get to do that um, and that I've lived to be able to do that because in a different timeline, no one sees in the heights. I'm still a teacher at my old high school and I'm still writing songs every night, just like I was uh, while I was making this film. If you've seen Tick, Tick, Boom, and this is not a spoiler, but but if you've seen Tick, Tick, Boom, you know that there's this running theme of will you choose fear or love? The idea being that uh, these are the two kind of like primal motivations of the artist, right? This fear that you're running out of time, like uh, he sings about in Hamilton, and this idea of love, which is what his hero, Jonathan Larson, who wrote Tick, Tick, Boom originally uh, chose and, and was trying to inspire the people to choose. And according to Miranda himself, inspired him to choose when he was a, a, strugg- a young, struggling, then very unknown artist. Uh, and so I wondered how that had resonated with him at the time and how he's continued to struggle with that now as somebody who obviously has a great deal of pressure on him uh, as a creative person who is a very well-known creative entity. And if that's changed his relationship with creativity, and this is what he had to say about that. Yeah, I think, you know, again, like the last, the hook of the last song of this show is fear or love. And those both get the wheel at various times on our journey. Um, the writer Elizabeth Gilbert has has a really great um, sort of response to fear, which is like, acknowledge that it's in the car. Don't let it take the wheel. Don't let it touch the radio station. Um, but like, it's, it's coming along for the ride and it can be a motivator just as love is a great motivator. Um, and, and Jonathan had his finger on that very directly of just like, where do I, where do I want to be spending my day and my time? And what do I want to be putting into my work and, and continually finding his way back to love and his love for what he was, he was doing. And, and he would amplify those themes into his masterwork rents, but here they are in their kind of, the ingredients haven't coalesced yet. It's still a self portrait of the artist as a young man. Cages or wings, which do you prefer? That was Lin-Manuel Miranda. Check out more of that conversation in the winter issue of Relevant. It is available for free at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the magazine tab and read our full-length feature with Lin-Manuel Miranda and a lot more. Go check it out. All right, stay tuned up next. It's your feedback, and we have a special guest. Let my soul remember just how good he
You're listening to Hillsong United. The song is on repeat. Okay. The song is called on repeat. I wasn't saying that that song is on repeat. It just so happens to be that that song is on repeat for me. Like I'm listening to it a lot lately. This is a whole who's on first situation. So you're listening to Hillsong United's new single called on repeat. There you go. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Now, I promise at the beginning of the show that you know one of our listeners is joining us and uh, she will be coming up after or uh, at the end of the segment. Don't miss it. All right, so last week, we asked you for the editorial question of the week. We asked you, what is the most outrageous sermon illustration you've heard or witnessed? If you recall, we were discussing the Mike Todd spit gate where he <laughs> smeared his loogie all over his brother's face on stage for a sermon illustration. And we got talking about most outrageous sermon illustrations you've ever heard or witnessed. You guys did not disappoint. You hit us up on Twitter at relevant magazine or relevant podcast. And here are a few of our favorites. I, I there are actually oh two gosh. of these that are, is very dramatic. Two different people sent in. I don't know if they were in the same service or if this went around in like theology schools by a bunch of sickos or something, because this has been perpetrated at two churches, evidently. Uh, but it's a variation of the same thing. Uh, two different users said they had a, a, a youth group leader or pastor in the middle of the sermon put pour a goldfish out of a bowl yeah. And let it flop around on stage until it died oh, to no. illustrate uh, vaguely spiritual concepts like suffering. Well, yeah, I don't need to see a fish suffer to understand the concept oh. here. One of, one of them was was to make the point about freedom. Like we desire, we think we want freedom, like Christianity oh, has too many like rules. Yeah. And so here, look, if the goldfish had freedom from the bowl, it's actually going to kill it. Yeah. Just like sin will kill you. I mean, it's, well, a, you it's know, good. It's very yeah, powerful. Again, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I okay, feel like I'd get this... that without the, like, like imagine if an you will, I took a goldfish out. Like you wouldn't have to actually do it. Like I can see that in my head just fine. You probably put it back into the bowl just in time. But guys, this suffered. right here, Frank said, I once heard of a guy who brought a lamb to camp. Students played with it all week long. Friday night, he sacrificed it by the fire. No. That That's what true. Frank said. Sacrificed it. <laughs> By the it he says was, he BCW. Old Testament. He was I old Testament BCW. I was in a weird cult for <laughs> a minute, much of my teen years. So that should be. Like, can you imagine Lord. they play with this sweet little lamb all week long, and then on Friday he's like, "All right, guys, I'm going to sacrifice the I'm lamb." Show you where your food comes from. All right, I'm going to read this whole this. This is this is a, a short thread, and I'm going to read the entire thing because this if this is true, and I'm taking his word for it, this is wild. <laughs> yeah, AJ if says, it's true, <laughs> AJ says to illustrate coming in like a thief in the night. The youth staff dressed up as thieves with masks. They loaded into a church van to kidnap the youth pastor from the midst of our outdoor field games. Already red flags across <laughs> the board here. Lots of things yep. that could go wrong. <laughs> Nope. But, 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 he says, our church was next door to a grocery store with a bank. The plan happened to coincide with the arrival of the armored Brinks truck to swap cash out at the bank. The driver spotted a van full of masked individuals and called the police. The police arrived on site right at go time. The van pulled up to the field as we were playing capture the flag and masked men unloaded. They were immediately followed by police vehicles, sirens blaring, and police with guns drawn as one of the thieves had a squirt gun spray painted black. Nope. 
<laughs> as wow. students, oh we all thought gosh. it was a crazy elaborate hoax. In hindsight, we found out the cops were considering shooting as one assailant had a, quote, gun. The presence of 100 kids running wild stopped them from pulling the trigger. Staff received a long talking to by the offices. Oh, if true, my gosh. If oh, true, my gosh. great little short film there. You could do a, like a, a little yeah. Coen Brothers situation of how quickly things can go awry when you don't think things through. Well, not only... Not- not only that, real quick, can I just unpack the spiritual implications of it? <laughs> even if even if you're what, like someone who believes kind of in like the contemporary idea of the rapture, it's not going to happen like that. Like, what are, what are you supposed to demonstrate? A thief in the night is not like this. It's not an armed abduction. Like, the rapture is not going to happen with angels sneaking out of the bushes and, and, and dragging people. That's not my understanding of that passage. Like, I don't even get the principle they're trying to explain. Also, I hate to like bring, be Debbie Downer here, but this is very privileged thing like i have three black kids if my black son yeah. ever played in yeah. this little game i would right. wear him out because you are not allowed to put a mask on and have right. a toy gun running right. around these people are crazy it's crazy tim cox uh, said their associate preacher was talking about always being ready to defend our faith he said have have the bible ready have the bible ready and that we should just remember when in doubt whip it out he said the youth group lost it. Oh. <laughs> Went in doubt, whip it out. That is like the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the, this one, you know, again, the the, the illustration is, is kind of lost on me, but Kara said that uh, uh, since the youth pastor doesn't get to preach often, and I think I can understand why, Kara, um, <laughs> he, wanted, he, he has to go big every time. And right. he wanted to demonstrate the aroma of God to the lost. So he brought a propane grill and grilled a juicy steak during his message. Smelled like barbecue for quite some time. Is there is there a verse I don't know about that says bring the aroma of God to the lost? Is that um, am I is is that a passage in in the modern Bible that we know about? Like, do you think he reverse engineered it from the steak? He was like, I get to preach tomorrow. I'm grilling a steak on stage, and I'll find a way to incorporate it. I'll make it about the aroma of God. Yeah. So sometimes these illustrations seem better in the planning stages than they do in the execution stages. Uh-huh. Like Chris Morphew said, a student a student pastor, have you seen the common thread that a lot of these are youth group or yes. the associate pastor or the youth pastor doing the yes. big, big church sermon? <laughs> they don't have a lot of experience. So they're trying to like make it really a, a memorable moment. Right. Uh, he said a student pastor was giving a short talk to our five to 10 year olds. Okay. He pulled one of the kids up to the front and asked, do you trust me? And then pulled out a dart and pretended to throw it at her face. She flinched out of the way. His application was, she couldn't trust me, could she, kids? But we have to trust God. And then Chris says, so I guess the next time God wants to throw darts at your face, you'd better make sure you just stand there and take it. <laughs> like, it doesn't even yeah. make sense. <laughs> Jesse, but, I think yeah. you brought this point up last week, but I, I, do not, I do not think that pastors should be like spitting in their, in their congregants' faces. I think that's a bad thing to do. But yeah. when you think about some of the things that we all endured at our prospective youth groups, that's like, that, 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 that's easy mode. Nothing. That's the practice oh. round. That would be like, yeah, that's yeah. just another day. Who hasn't been that's just day in First and Baptist youth, youth in youth yeah. chapel. I'm sorry. That, that's just, I think I was at youth camp once, and they made someone they made someone eat whipped cream out of someone's underarm. I mean, like this is the kind of things that you do. <laughs> at you youth camp. Mike Todd did that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it should have happened. It shouldn't. I don't think. I don't think youth groups should be doing this stuff. I'm just saying that we have to. We we, we got to start thinking bigger here when it comes to canceling well, you know what? people. Maybe maybe the Mike Todd thing became such a mainstream media moment 
because the mainstream media audience did not grow up in youth group the way we did. Yeah. And we got desensitized to this uh-huh. stuff. So we saw it and we're like, yeah, that's gross, but I've seen way worse. <laughs> and, and then like, this is like on the Daily Show and stuff. Like how, how did this become the scandal that rocked America? I don't know. And it's because these people did not grow up in youth group. Uh-huh. We, we've been desensitized. Well, the thing is like, let's just call it what it is. You know, preachers, preachers have gotten soft. When, when people used to say that, it used to be like, look at Charles Spurgeon and look at Joel Osteen. Look, we We've gone soft. We, you know, there's no more meat and potato. Now it's like, ah, we care about someone spitting in somebody's face. We used to kill live animals on stage and threaten to torture students in front of the congregation. Like, who cares about a little spit? We did that for the fun of it. <laughs> there is a lot more feedback. You guys have had a lot of... Uh interesting church experiences over the years. There's a lot of feedback. Head over to uh, the Relevant Podcast in, uh, Twitter account and check them out. It's crazy. All right. We mentioned on last week's show, you know, we were doing the feedback and one one of our listeners, Anna, replied to the question of the week and just in passing said, well, you know, I've had some UFO encounters over the years and da, 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 da. And then she answered the question. And we were like, wait, 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 wait. We, we need more information here. <laughs> so please welcome to the show. Anna. Hey, how are you? Hi, I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> We're excited to have you. We have some follow-up questions for you, so we appreciate it. First, uh, where where are you calling us from? Uh, I am in Newmarket, Virginia, which is in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley. Oh, nice. Jesse, do you know where that is? I do. Uh, not is that is that close to like Skyline Drive? I'm about half hour, yeah. A specific wow, that- street? Wow, it's, it's, it's very it's 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 a very notable uh, uh, stretch here in, uh, in in the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful part of the country, Anna. And you know, I've visited, I've driven through many times. I live in uh, Virginia Beach. So what mm-hmm. is that? Probably about six hours away from you. About four four hours. Yeah, yeah, four, six four to four. Hours. So Jesse, apparently, there's a lot of UFO activity. <laughs> four well, hours it away from your home. Me. It doesn't surprise me because when you drive through that stretch of country, which, uh, Anna, it is beautiful, Uh, you know, God's country out there. There's that there's that they, you know, like it's where the kind of the Appalachian and Smoky Mountains all kind of merge. And there's always this smoky fog that sits over everything. So it's always it always feels like the opening to like a weird David Lynch movie (laughs) at at all times. Kind of like L.A. or Beijing. With the smog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Except this is just we just we have just assumed it's supernatural forces all along out in these parts because there's no factories. Um, but Anna, t- w- w- did you see the UFOs out there? Yeah, please tell us the story. What yeah. were you referencing? Um, so I was in the neighboring town about five miles away from here. Um, and actually, I should point out, Jesse, I wrote about this story on your reddit page and you shared it on your other podcast which was very very awesome and meaningful to me so thank you for that um but yeah i was actually in the neighboring town um driving and i saw some very small lights coming towards me very very low very very quickly um i didn't hear anything and i was like what is that? Because <laughs> that is not normal. They were very, very fast. And like I said, very smooth, very quiet. All I could see was these tiny little red lights. Um, and as I was driving down uh, a hill out of the town, um, I looked up and just saw a black triangular shadow. And there was actually two of them. One went right over me. The other one was right beside that one. Um, and I was terrified. And I drove really fast <laughs> to get away from there. 
That, Do you have any idea okay. what it was? Yeah. I mean, what I mean your, what's your gut? Is there any logical explanation that you can come up with, or are you certain that it was extraterrestrial? No, I, I, I think it was man-made, very, very likely, but it is not a man-made aircraft that I am aware of. Oh. Yeah, there, there is in, in sort of the UAP community, the Black Triangle is one of, like, the common ones that people encounter. Uh, uh, so it could be some sort of advanced technology. Now you said, Anna, that you had another encounter as well out there. No, that was my only one. Sorry. Okay. So how, how long did the whole, the situation last and were you alone? I was alone. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) but it was in town. So there was people, I mean, people around, I'm sure. Did, did you get the impression that when you looked at it and, and, and realized that what you were looking at, that it was like, that's when it kind of, you know, did it, did it seem like it got spooked and zoom out of there? No, I thought it was so low. I had the impression that it was going to land on the road behind me. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so, so Jesse, Jesse, your theory about UFOs is that it's probably very advanced, very secretive military tech. Yeah, that's being tested, da 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 da, and it's just off the Correct. grid. It's it's deep, you know, cover. I'm open to other ideas, but that's my personal right. Yeah. So d- Virginia, being a heavy military state, things out in the more rural part of the state being tested would make logical sense with your line of thinking, right? It, it that would it would seem to me to be very plausible that uh, if you know that w- like you said with uh, with the, the proximity to major military facilities and and the nation's capital that that they they would be testing this stuff out there. But Anna was ha, or is it is this like a common occurrence out there? Has the, have do you know anyone else who's seen these types of uh, flying objects in 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 your community? I've had friends and acquaintances that have seen things, but the description was not typically the same. Really? Mm-hmm. After the mm-hmm. night that you saw this, did, was there any other news or anything about anyone else seeing the same thing? I, I asked around. I was sharing it on Facebook and talking to everyone I know because I was freaked out. I mean, I was agitated for weeks afterwards. Um, I mean, rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Wow. But nobody wow. Saw, yeah. nobody else saw anything. <laughs> Now, uh, I do have an unrelated but adjacent question. Um, The other thing about that part of the country is, uh, you know, there have been reports. This is my understanding of just Virginia lore that uh, there could be other, you know, creatures undiscovered. You know, in those Appalachian foothills, have you ever seen a Bigfoot? I'm sorry. Have you? you they tend to look when when you got when you got UFOs showing up. Who knows? Who knows? We don't know. There's a Bigfoot museum. At, in northern Georgia, where the Appalachian Trail starts, there's a big Bigfoot museum there. So they that put it there like for some a reason. Place for Bigfoot, yeah. I don't know. That museum. feels like the right place. Yeah, uh, Anna, have you ever heard of any any other like Bigfoot or any kind of weird stuff happening out there? Not Bigfoot, no. Sadly, <laughs> well, well, I'd keep an. I'll just say this: I'll keep an eye out. I'd keep an eye out if I were you. We'll do. Out. We'll do. Well, she's looking yeah. at the sky now. She's not worried about the. Blue. I do. I, like, I'm probably going to crash the car one day because of how often I'm just like looking up. <laughs> well, you have a great icebreaker. I mean, you have a. I mean, you have a That's perfect true. like. You have a great Twitter bio now. You have great material for. You know, 
Two Truths and a Lie. If you're ever at a party, they start playing that game, you're in. Yeah. 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 I've seen, uh, yeah, I live near Skyline (laughs) Drive. I've seen a UFO up close and I've seen Bigfoot. One of those those is not true. But like I said, I keep an eye out if I read it. All right. Well, thanks, Anna. Thanks for joining us and telling us the story. Thank you, guys. It was fun. Okay. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. All right. Well, Earlier in the show, Jesse was regaling us with the snow day shenanigans happening there in Loverland. And it got us thinking, uh, we want to know your craziest snow day stories. Maybe something that you did. Maybe you went surfing on a boogie board and snapped your clavicle. Maybe it's something you saw. Maybe it's something you're talented. Maybe something that hit the news. We just want to know your funniest, craziest snow day stories. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast or wherever you see us post a question. You can reply there as well. And we'll read our favorites on next week's show. We're going to get some listeners from Alaska who are going to have like, you know, they're going to be like, after we brag about like, oh, I went down a sled standing uh-huh. up. They're going to be like, I flew I a helicopter. I rode a moose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I was, we have a huge hill here. The big, the tallest point in Virginia Beach called Mount Trashmore because it's an old landfill oh that they covered with grass oh. and made oh. it a park. So it's just a big mountain, uh, like hill. Is and that the official name, Mount Trashmore? Is that just yes. a local It says Mount Trashmore on the side of it the mountain. It does not. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna, I'll send you guys pictures after I t- tell Mount you the story. Trashmore. <laughs> okay, it's very famous here in uh, in Virginia, okay. um, in Virginia Beach. E- either way, it's it's a giant hill, and and people go and fly kites up there and stuff. And it's the most obvious place we where you'd want to go uh, sledding. And the city, it's been illegal to sled on Mount Trashmore for 20 years because one guy ruptured his spleen 20 (laughs) years ago and ruined it for the whole city. I was honestly thinking, like, if I ran for mayor, I would almost be a single camp. I'd be like, look, the mask thing, the CT. Like, we got a lot of stuff happening in, in town in the 757. But we don't need the government telling us what hills we can sled on. <laughs> Open up Mount Trashmore to sledding. It only snows here like every five years. But this is my single campaign platform. I think I would win. That if People here are outraged by this. And we're going to deal with it again this weekend. And so, anyway, really um, you know, right. I'm, I'm fully prepared to launch my campaign. Before we wrap it up, I want to thank Lynn manuel Miranda for joining us. Make sure to check out more of that conversation in the winter digital issue of Relevant. It's available now for free at relevantmagazine.com. Click on the magazine tab. Also, make sure to check out our other features with like Denzel Washington, St. Motel. Um, so, so many more. So many more. It's a great issue. It's packed. And it's available for free. Come on. Look at that price. Also, while you're uh, online, head over to relevantstore.com to check out our latest merch, our, our upcoming annual print edition, uh, sweatshirts, podcast fan gear, a bunch more. We have a good sale going on right now. You can get some free shipping. Go check it out, relevantstore.com. Also, while you're at Relevant, uh, make sure to sign up for our daily newsletter. Keep up with all the great content we're putting out. You get our top five trending stories delivered to your inbox every morning. Um, and uh, follow us on all the socials. Oh, hey, if you like the music you hear on the show... Uh, and you're on Spotify, search up Relevant and you can find the Heard on the Relevant podcast playlist. We update it every week with all the tracks that you hear in between the show segments. Okay, on that note, we will wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And we'll see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone.
for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. BTW, I was in a weird cult. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.